Hi, I'm Jack Rowland, and this is Into Deep. We all have our vices. Mine is alcohol. I've been drinking since I was about 16 years old, and a large chunk of that has been nothing short of binge drinking. I'm 34 now, and over time, that behavior has become pretty cemented in my day-to-day. A couple of years ago, after waking up hungover and being thoroughly unimpressed with my previous night's efforts, I bought a book called The Easy Way to Control Alcohol by Alan Carr. This episode, I talked to John Dicey about addiction. John is a former 80 cigarette a day smoker who is now global CEO and senior therapist of Alan Carr's Easy Way. Alan Carr's Easy Way method began as an effective new approach to quitting smoking. Initially through seminars and then a book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, which became a global bestseller and has helped literally millions of people to quit smoking. I personally know many people who have kicked cigarettes with the help of this book, my wife being one of them. After the enormous success of Easy Way to Stop Smoking, which was instrumental in John's overcoming his cigarette addiction, John joined the organization and helped apply Alan's Easy Way method to all sorts of other addictions, from drinking, drugs, gambling, and now even technology addiction. And he is, in fact, the co-author of many of the Easy Way books. Alan Carr's Easy Way to Control Alcohol has been incredibly helpful for me in understanding the little monster within and what's really going on when those habitual addictive tendencies end up driving the ship. For me, the drinking thing is a work in progress, and I do hope that the stigma of talking about such things is slowly but surely fading away. I hope you enjoy this chat with John Dicey. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Well, I have one speed, I have one gear. Hi, John. Jack, how you doing? Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate you um, making the time, mate. No, it's a, it's a real, uh, it's great to speak to you. Like, you know, sort of, um, always try to say, never to say no, if you know what I mean. So right. kind of, it's great to talk to people, get the message out there and, um and have conversations so it's an absolute, absolute pleasure yeah no thank you um is it audio or on no i just do well? i just do audio but that's very lucky for your listeners <laughs> i'm a lot better to listen to than look at <laughs> um so yeah john thank you again um so much for doing this um i so full disclosure to everyone listening um I I still drink, I do still drink, uh, but you know I uh, I've kind of I guess uh, in recent years tried to look at my drinking a lot more um, uh, because I just think you know it, often at times it it just doesn't uh, bring the best version of me forward. Um, so you know before I start to say like also. I'm sure someone could easily call me a hypocrite after this conversation if if they see me having a beer down the line. But nonetheless, I just think it's a uh, an awesome conversation to have, especially because I just think you know Australia has such a a kind of I don't know it's a, it it doesn't have the best drinking culture. I think probably the Eng- England's kind of roughly the same uh, kind of standard of drinking culture. Would you say? I would say so. Yeah, yeah, um, a lot of binging. So, and, so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, I um, I heard about uh, Alan Carr's uh, Easy Way books mainly through the smoking ones. Uh, I believe my partner, my my wife Uria, she read it and she actually 
quit smoking um, as a result. She hasn't smoked for a very long time. Uh, well, yeah, for probably like 10 years. Um, and I've heard many other people um, uh, with, with very similar stories. Everyone used to just refer to it as the book. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I heard a, actually heard a comedian called Nikki Glazer, um, and she was talking on a podcast and she was talking about how, you know, she's been sober for a very long time and basically Ellen Carr does an alcohol one as well. So I, I gave it a crack and um, I found it extremely, extremely helpful just in – really reframing how I view alcohol. Um, I think that's like one of the main things for me, just absolutely kind of not justifying and believing the kind of um, that I love it so much and kind of actually start to realize that, you know, alcohol's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of designed that way. Um, the book outlines uh, exactly how alcohol, for instance, works, but um yeah, I mean, look. Basically, in short, Alan Carr Easy Way is is an addiction, um, an addiction. Uh, yeah, it addresses addiction and, and how to overcome. But I was wondering whether um, you could basically give us a bit of a, you know, um, what what exactly is Alan Carr's Easy Way, and also how did you um, come to be so closely involved with it all? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Alan Carr was a um, an accountant. Uh, born and uh, raised in um, Putney, London, which at the time was quite a down-at-heel area of uh, London. It's become extremely gentrified now. Um, and um, a, a, a very bright guy, very driven, um, but a hopeless chain smoker and tried every method under the sun to quit and eventually... Um, he was a proper chain smoker, as I was, um, mm. sort of... A, lighting one after another, after another, regardless of how uh, under the weather he might have felt. Um, and in the early 1980s, he, he, a couple of things came together in his mind that actually um, suddenly enabled him to, to find it easy to, to quit, whereas before it had become hard. And he was, it was just a change in frame of mind, a change of understanding of why we smoke um, uh, and surrounding the nature of addiction. So, I mean, uh, the, the Alan Carr story has been told many times, but uh, he started helping friends to quit smoking who asked him, how, hey, how did you do this? And then so many people are asking him for help. He had to sort of basically sort of stop working and, and actually open his first sort of uh, centre from his spare room in his house in, uh, in London. Um, and very quickly, sort of, uh, um, it outgrew that as well. He take, took on his first commercial premises. Um, and he was having people flying from all over the world to um, listen to his seminar, attend his seminar. Um, the idea, you smoke all the way through it. At the end, you sort of, you call about not smoking, so you throw, throw your cigarettes away and, uh, and never smoke again. Um, and um, people got to hear about it. There was a, a big breakfast radio show mentioned the book. Uh, uh, he'd, he'd written a book. Because uh, because he couldn't cope with the number of people coming to see him, it's one of those things. And he also thought that maybe if someone didn't get it in a live seminar, maybe the written word might work better for them, and and vice versa. Um, and somebody featured the book on a, a, a big radio show, and um, it went uh, intergalactic. So it turned out to be the best-selling stop smoking book of all time worldwide. So that's very much where the you know, method comes from. 
Um, I, I came on board as a, as a sort of alluded to as a smoker. I was an 80 a day smoker. 80 a day. Like, that's, uh, I read that. Uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's a lot. Seriously embarrassing. Um, and I'd, I sort of light a cigarette as soon as my eyes opened in the morning. And um, the last thing I did at night was, was, was stub a cigarette out. And I'd wake up a couple of times in the night and have a cigarette as well quite often. Um, so so it, I mean, it's, it's hard to um, imagine living like that. Um, and I tried and tried and tried to stop, and I was just, I was just awful at it. I'd last a few hours. Um, I just didn't. I wasn't one of these people who could stop for a week or two weeks or six months and, and then go back to it. It's awful. So, so I went along to this, uh, this seminar, and I was very skeptical. You know, I was sort of. Uh, she's my wife now at the time. She's my girlfriend, and she didn't like me smoking. And in the end, I said, "Look, I'll, I'll go along and see this uh, this seminar. There's a seminar they do a money back guarantee." And when it doesn't work, I'll get the money back. And the, the deal is that you never, you don't hassle me about my smoking for at least 12 months. So I get 12 months worth of uh, uh, peaceful smoking. <laughs> and she took the deal. And I, was, I, I, I thought, I can't, I can't lose here. So I went along and I was really sceptical. I thought, even while I was sort of sitting there listening to this uh, seminar, it was, all, it was interesting. And at the time, it really quick. Um, and I walked out and I thought, no, nah, I'll give it a go. And, um, and and that was that. It's one of those sort of really weird things and time passed. And I, I was intrigued by it and inspired by it. How could I have found something so hard for so long, impossible for so long? And all of a sudden, here I am, gone from 80 to none a day um, without any sort of terrible withdrawal or that I'd had previously. And previously when I stopped, I'd have shivers and shakes and the sweats and I'd be irritable and ratty. This is only when I, you know, I hadn't had a cigarette for an hour. Um, but there's just this sense of uh, calm that I had. So I, I got in touch with, um, with Alan and um, Robin Haley, who was uh, um, uh, managing director at the time. And I said, I really want to help. Um, I really want to get involved. This is just so exciting. And um, I was very fortunate that, uh, that Alan um, took me under his wing. And I had a privilege of working closely with him. Um, uh, and in a nutshell, people started asking for help with all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues, uh, whether it's sort of weight or uh, alcohol or other drugs or whatever. And it became it became clear that we could uh, apply this method to pretty much any addiction or behavioural issue. Um, and, and we went about doing that. And um, the, the the first thing we applied it to, I think, alcohol. And um, I, I got involved just to cure the world of smoking. That was my passion. It still, really, it still is. We're doing some stuff for uh, World No Tobacco Day uh, and the World Health Organization uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but to be involved in, in uh, shaping the method to have it applied to all these other issues and problems was such a privilege. And to work with Alan and to explore because obviously there's a difference between nicotine and alcohol. There's a difference right. between nicotine, alcohol, and cocaine. There's a difference between that and sugar addiction. Um, and a lot of people misunderstand the method. They think, oh, well, just change, cross out the word smoking or nicotine and put in the word cocaine or, or whatever. Um, it, there's a lot more to it than that. The, me- the method is this, it acts as this kind of skeleton. And off that, uh, you, you, you follow... Um, uh, uh, the, the method all the way through, making um, in some places uh, parts that are quite drastic 
changes to the method. So, for example, you smoke, you intake, you take in nicotine. If you've got alcohol, you take on board alcohol. Gambling, well, you know, not actually putting anything into your body. Uh, yet we we very successfully applied the method to gambling. Uh, similarly, uh, technology addiction, we did just incredible stuff we've done and applied the method to. Pretty pretty much can 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 help with anything. It sounds like uh, almost. I don't want to make it sound like a jack of all trades. It's 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 the master of addiction and behavioural issues, really. Mm. And it's been a privilege, the privilege to work so closely with Alan, um, and to sort of shape the method going forward. And that he and Robin sort of trusted me to to, to move forward with the the method. And we're now working. I think the latest product we got up, we already have online uh, live seminars and online video programs for stuff like cocaine and cannabis um, and uh, prescription drugs. Uh, we're, we're working on a book at the moment um, for cocaine and cannabis. Uh, next in the pipeline, I think a sleep, a book about sleep, people with sleep issues, uh, and later after that, sort of exercise uh, issues. The different way of looking at, at, at behavioural issues and addictions um, that, that make changing that behaviour pleasurable rather than a chore or an obligation. And that's that's the real thing. It's... You know, I, I couldn't stop smoking with willpower. You know, mm. I was strong-willed. I had a successful business. Um, and I, I, I worked myself up to the top in a really tough industry. And I wouldn't be beaten by anybody. But smoking, you know, you, you took the cigarettes away. I turned into a jellyfish. It's, it's embarrassing at the mm. time. There, I remember certain occasions I run out of cigarettes. It's the humiliation of it, that you know, just going to extreme lengths to get a pack of cigarettes. In fact, eventually... Um, anyone who's listening who's been a chain smoker or knows a chain smoker knows what, what absurd lengths we go to, to to avoid running out of cigarettes. You know, I'd go to a party in, when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> As a chain smoker, I'd have four or five packs of cigarettes on me. I mean, just putting them somewhere was a challenge. Right, right. Because you're at a party, you've always got the social smokers come out and start catching cigarettes and whatever else. And there's no way you can afford to let yourself run out of cigarettes at three o'clock in the morning or about partying. Mm. So, so that's where, that's where I, 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 how I got involved and sort of my backstory. Um, and um, as I said, it's a real privilege to, to apply the method to so many different issues and behaviours that people struggle with. It could be emotive. So I think people hear me talk about cannabis and think, oh, hang on, is that addictive? Is that a problem? Yeah, people have a bit of weed or whatever. Um, it's more to do with the fact if someone's got a problem with it, we can provide a solution with it. So right. I, I'm not really, uh, there's no value in me having a conversation with someone, is, is weed addictive or not? But right, right. I don't care. I, don't, mm. I, I honestly don't care. If, someone, if someone's life, uh, they, someone feels their life is being um, harmed by their cannabis uh, or weed consumption, we've got an answer to that. And that's, yeah. it's, a, it's quite a pragmatic view to that. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after, re after reading the book and stuff, and um, I'm sure there's a whole variety of books out there, yet I'd only ever heard of this one, um, particularly like the smoke. I've never smoked um, myself, but I just, I know quite a few people who have put it down and, and kind of not seem very blase about it as well, um, yeah. which which is why I, I kind of gave, gave it a crack. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess 
what 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 exactly? So the, I guess the common thread throughout all of these different things, because as you said, like nicotine to alcohol is is very very different, and I'd lo- I'd love to kind of talk about some of the differences there because um, you know, for for instance, I find alcohol is just so socially acceptable, such a social aid, you know, like going to a party. So often if you're not drinking, people kind of can't comprehend it. Um, it, um, it probably was like that with smoking, you know, 10, yeah. even 10 years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, that there is that kind of um, that brainwashing of needing it to kind of get by in a social scenario. I've... Um, you know, uh, yeah, that that's something I've, I've. It was really, really great for this book to kind of help me. I don't know, just realize what's really going on. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, know? you, 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 you kind enough to mention that the, the sort of people you've met or come across, you've used the method, uh, whether it's smoking or alcohol or whatever, almost have this kind of a blase attitude towards it. Yeah, I'll quit. You know, they, they they seem quite kind of content and happy, and that's where you know people like Nikki. Uh, Glazer, uh, um, Chrissy Hind, um, Tenders, uh, Michael McIntyre, Santin Hopkins, mm. uh, it's Richard Branson. People kind of drop our names. The first, the first time I heard, I mean, Chrissy Hind, I've got to be, I'm, I'm of that age. Uh, you're too young to remember the Pretenders in their heyday or whatever, but I mean, <laughs> my, my first big crush was on Chrissy Hind uh, as a schoolboy. And and the first I heard that she'd used a method for stopping smoking and alcohol was in an autobiography where she sort of did a page about what she did with the method with, with alcohol and smoking. And actually, the, the epilogue in her autobiography is, is about Alan Carr's easy way. And it's kind of, you know, when you're sort of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I am a, an Alan Carr therapist that just happens to be the global CEO of the organisation as well. But when you, you come across that and it's like, Totally unsolicited, totally mm. out, of, out of, and that's generally how we find out about stuff like Ellen DeGeneres and stuff like that. So, right. um, and I think that's part of it because people find it easy. Um, they, they they just tend to, to to feel very free with 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 mentioning it. And it sort of it sounds like you're kind of are you sort of more sober curious than somebody who wants to kind of definitely stop drinking? Are you, are you, are you feel free to tell me at my own business because it, no, no, it, not at all. Big, I, I think it's actually like, you know, sometimes it can be, um, like you say, it can be kind of embarrassing putting that kind of out there. But I guess I've just got to a point where it's just like, look, I don't know, if if, <laughs> if one person can kind of uh, talk about their story, I, I guess I'm not like I've got a particularly interesting story, but it it kind of uh, it, it allows other people to kind of do <laughs> do the same, I, I've, I've found. But um. Yeah, look, I was, uh, you know, classic binge drinker, just binging from probably probably about 16 or 17 through to um, probably about when I was – I'm 34 now. So probably when I was about 30 to 31, I just start, I, I just kind of the, – the, the anxiety that goes – I used to be able to just ha- handle the, the hangover, no worries. Painful, headache, turn up to work, dehydrated, all that stuff, whatever. It's just physical – stuff i can get through it and then almost reward myself with a with a beer at the end hair of the dog but i I, as i think you know i kind of approached 30 the the anxiety that comes with a hangover was really i've started to notice and it still happens it it, it can kind of affect my self-esteem um 
I would get very paranoid about what I've said. Have I overshared? Was I inappropriate? Was I rude? And I think probably like, I think no, I know all of those things are true. I, I probably was all those things. Probably not everyone thinks about it as much as I do, but it was really playing, playing on, on me because, you know, I've, I've always kind of, I'm, I'm very interested in like, you know, self-improvement stuff, Love Anthony Robbins, I've read Eckhart Tolle, and lots of different people trying, trying to, um, you know, just try and be better, really. But alcohol was one that I was just like, I don't know, that was didn't seem like that was really part of the um, the whole package of self betterment. But the older I get, I just think it's more and more at the forefront of it. And um, so, yeah, I guess back to your kind of question of being like sober curious. Look, after I first read the book, I. Um, I it took me a while to read it because I think I could tell where exactly <laughs> how it was going to end. <laughs> I didn't really want to make that decision in right there and then, but I, I eventually did finish it. And um, yeah, I, I had I had a long break. I had a long break, and um, you know, I yeah, I've just had another month off, and yeah, I do kind of often wonder what what's what's even the point. It would be nice to kind of have a social relationship with alcohol, um, yeah. just for convenience sake. But even then, I mean, I do keep coming back to the the uh, the question of where, whether that's actually possible or whether you're, you know, because I can for a while, but then it'll eventually just kind of creep up and get a, get the better of me a bit more, you know. I kind of nervous yeah, drink, it's, yeah. Exactly. It's, been, it's brilliant that you've, you, you, you know, you've got a month and that's great because that's clearly something you wanted to do. And I think one thing... Um, you know, I spend an awful lot of my time doing is reaching out to uh, people who've read our books, um, specifically read our books or, or um, bought our digital products uh, online. Um, because the, the original version of the, me- version of the method was in this form, you know, me talking face to face, uh, right. smokers, drinkers, or whatever, where you could ask questions, you could challenge things, you could. You know, every possible question you can have about whatever the addiction was with Gene is normally answered. Um, and you just can't do that with a, with a book or with a, uh, with a, um, a, a pre-recorded program. So um, we started very early, um, probably in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. In all the books, it's if you have any problems at all, Get in, get in touch with us. We're always happy to offer free advice, and I'm, I'm uh, ridiculously proud that even to this day, um, we still, we're still doing that. We're still saying it. We're still uh, putting an awful lot of resources into uh, not only managing uh, that, that support, uh, free support service, but publicising as well. I'll probably spend ten uh, percent of my time doing uh, doing that, just really to make sure that someone in your position has kind of got the method and, and, and is where they want to be. Um, I might need a few, just a kind of a bit of guidance. Mm. We're here uh, to reach out. You fill out a little questionnaire, it comes into our sort of headquarters, and we we provide sort of written, bespoke, uh, detailed advice from the senior Alan Carr facilitator on or, on whatever whatever questions you might have. And we uh, we're estimated to have helped something like uh, fifty million people worldwide now, wow. which is 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 not bad for a not an bad organization that started. <laughs> Started in Alan Carr's back room hmm. in southwest London in the uh, mid in the mid eighties, um, and, and doesn't receive a, a, a dime of, of uh, 
government funding or, or, or whatever. Um, so uh, I, w- I would just say, I never miss an opportunity to say this. If anyone's out there, they've used the method and they want a bit of clarification on something or if they uh, something didn't make sense to them, we're here. We, we, we reply to every single question we're, we're asked uh, uh, anywhere in, in the world. And I think you're right. It, it, smoking wasn't that dissimilar to alcohol you know, 10, 20 years ago. You were a bit odd if you used to smoke and then you quit smoking or whatever. But there's, there's, there are definite differences there in terms of uh, the stigma attached, uh, wrong, wrongly attached to people who, who quit drinking. Mm, right. You know, um, someone quit smoking, people don't say, oh, I didn't know you had a cigarette problem. Well, they were a smoker. They didn't want to do it anymore. If somebody quits drinking, oh, God, I didn't realize you, you know, ooh. Must have a, must be an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of judgments. And that kind of, that messes with the individual's sort of, psyche and uh, and how they feel about themselves um knowing that other people kind of draw these odd conclusions um, um and that's something that actually the individual experiencing this is, is in control of you know you can't you can't stop people thinking about what what they're thinking i mean you can you, you can talk to them about it if you want but it's far but the advice we give it just get out there enjoy life and if you if you if you you spend your time enjoying life, in the case of alcohol, without without alcohol, people just forget you don't drink. It becomes a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. It's those kind of early days where, particularly close friends, could be very funny about it. You know, because mm. I always had a problem. Mm. Oh God, it's boring. And um, and of course they can they can. It, they can feel a little bit awkward about it because it kind of challenges their own view. Well, yeah, I think Jack's, that's, that's often a lot of it. Head. Yeah, what about me? And it is that kind of <clears throat> smokers, drinkers, <clears throat> very similar. You know, you don't want to be the last person left on a Titanic. So when somebody who's quit comes back on board, you know, mm. it, that, that, that feeling of camaraderie returns. And right. it's kind of, it's not real, is it? It's not great. It's, it's not, mm. it's not uh, um so, so I think cutting, cutting people who don't want to change or don't realise they want to change their relationship with alcohol or whatever drug it might be, cutting them some slack is quite important. You, you know, you can be the generous one. Hmm. If you think how long it's taken you to process your feelings, your thoughts about alcohol, whether you want to drink or whatever else, you know, they might have, they might not have given it a second thought themselves. They might not have invested any time questioning their own behaviour or what they're doing. Um, and well, you can't really blame them. Really, you it's quite uh, comforting to know you know something they don't. Yeah, and it's it, it, learning to value that, mm. and that's that's who the real you is. Um, and we get this a lot with our uh, cocaine clients. We had co- the cocaine program we, we operate, other than the, the, the video program, is a one-to-one service. We, you know, we, we get to manage to apply it to, to groups. Um, one-to-one service, and and people describe the person they become. Yeah. When when they're doing coke, and normally booze and a few mm. other bits of at the same time. Um, by the time they reach us, they know that they've had enough. Yeah, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if they thought they used to enjoy it. It doesn't matter if they thought they used to get something out of it. 
they they they're not a rock bottom. These people are you know and, uh, um, uh, uh, functioning, earning uh, good living, and uh, um, but they've had enough and they want to get out. Hmm. And and that's really where if you have that inkling that you want to get out of like alcohol, hmm. that's that's the most to, to to do that to achieve that is the most positive thing you can imagine. Right. So the, the sense that maybe there's this social pressure or this this feeling that maybe it's something you do a month at a time or a couple of months at a time and then you get kind of sucked back in about into it or whatever, it just needs a, a couple of minor mental adjustments for you to actually kind of think, God, I've escaped from this. You know, mm. I've got away. I've got away from it, and and cherishing and value that valuing that uh, that freedom. Right. Um, I think the, the the more you get learn to cherish that uh, freedom, the the happier you'll be, uh, yeah. and the less likely less likely you are to go back. Get, and getting comfortable being with friends who are boozed up is is the, the important thing. Mm. Um, firstly, uh, you. You, you you might find some of your friends aren't really that great friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is it's a really controversial thing to say because you're not going to miss your friends and your buddy, you know. But but your real friends will be with you, whatever happens. I've I've seen that with um, a lot of stoners, you know, like people who smoke a lot of weed. Once they um, yeah. I've seen particularly like with weed, uh, people kind of hang out. It's relationships of convenience. And once they stop smoking, there's, there's really not much in common because yeah. <laughs> they weren't there for yeah. conversation, you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, I've definitely, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, very good point. Um, one, one thing I love about the book with the smoking one and the drinking one is you're encouraged not to put the, the cigarette or, or the drink down throughout the duration of reading it which i think is um a really yeah interesting kind of point of difference uh from uh i'm 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 sure many other methods but um i am yeah i am kind of wondering so what the kind of common thread throughout all these um different easy way methods like what what when you went to this seminar what i mean how long did it go for a couple of hours like what was it in that seminar that made you beat withdrawal symptoms for instance like that that's a that's a massive call <laughs> yeah no yeah exactly. which are totally and, yeah, um, not challenging it at all so but yeah it's just yeah no, exactly. it sounds unbelievable and, um, and i was i was completely shocked because i said that the the so many times i tried to quit and i'd turn into a a gibbering wreck and and literal physical sweats mm. uptight irritable angry just every all, the whole thing and I think that's when you know in my early 20s I thought you know I'm, I'm a junkie here I was addicted mm. to smoking and, and, and you, you, you kind of laugh it off but the, but you know so to go to having experienced that to suddenly experiencing nothing you know just this sense of kind of calm it just it was it was it was odd it was kind of like okay I'm, I'm all right Without any assistance, no nicotine patches, no nicotine gum, no substitutes, or whatever else. Um, and and this is this is true for, for for one thing. The common thread that runs through most addictions is the withdrawal. Uh, the the painful aspects of withdrawal uh, are almost uh, always 99 percent uh, psychological. They're right. caused by a thought process. That's what I was curious about. Rather than 
rather than the chemical withdrawal. Now, if you if you withdraw from alcohol, for example, it doesn't feel great. It, uh, we've all done it in a, 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 on a Sunday morning. You know, <laughs> it feels mm. lousy. Um, um, that's that, that's not really withdrawal. I mean, you, you, if you drink it at a high level, you 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 have that kind of process of of your body healing itself. It's not insufferable. It's not it's not awful. Um, um, but anyway, um, if you first is understanding, okay, and I'll relate this to smoking because I think it's just easy for most people to kind of get their heads around anyway. Hmm. Um, if once you understand that most of the unpleasant feelings you get when you quit smoking are caused by a thought process rather than the chemical withdrawal. You can change your thought process. The chemical withdrawal is just like this metronome, tick, 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 tick. You've got to tough it out. Um, and we use various tools to sort of just, just raise questions about this in people's minds. So, for example, okay, you, you'll meet somebody who hasn't had a cigarette or a drink for a year, and they'll be tearing their hair out desperate for one and well they haven't got any nicotine left in the body there's no alcohol in the body to withdraw yet they're still tormented by uh the drug um smokers are great aren't they i used to go on a flight and uh i didn't even bother wearing the patches they didn't seem to touch touch anything anyway so you go on a flight after a while you, you kind of you know the flight's going to be eight hours you, you, you can't smoke um and you you establish a sense of calm. So something happens psychologically. Nicotine withdrawal is going on throughout your body during this time. It, it doesn't stop. It's continuing. So as you get closer to your destination, um, it starts coming back a little bit. The anticip mm. anticipating you're, you're half an hour from landing, then you've got to get through customs or whatever it might be. Um, now, if at that point the pilot comes on, uh, the speaker that says, oh, really sorry, we uh, going to have to divert the, the, uh, the flight's going to be an extra hour. Now you've gone from being 20 minutes away from maybe having a cigarette mm. to an hour, 20 minutes away. Bang. The smoker gets what they think is the physical withdrawal from nicotine, like tense, anxious, uptight, insecure, not nice, feet, irritable. And where was it a minute before? Right. The right. minute before the, the pilot made the announcement, it was still there. You didn't suddenly get a boost of withdrawal or a reverse of a boost. So if you can get your head around that, what you start to do is it's like um, uh, uh, presenting evidence to a jury. You know, you don't hammer, you don't hammer it into them. Mm. You just raise questions. And that's, that's kind of one question you raise. And that's not a bad point. Okay. Most smokers don't wake up at night to smoke. No, I did. I woke up for different reasons. Um, but if I woke up, I would have a cigarette. It wasn't, it wasn't nicotine withdrawal that woke me up. Most smokers go, sleep eight hours without a cigarette. If nicotine withdrawal was so bad, why, would it, why, would it, why wouldn't it wake them up? Now, a mm. smoker, uh, using willpower to stop, they stop out their final cigarette. A minute later, they'd be claiming to have this terrible physical withdrawal from nicotine. Mm. Um, and, and the withdrawal, don't, they don't even have to smoke to get rid of it. Uh, and this is true with alcohol. So if somebody experiences this feeling with alcohol, as soon as they decide they're going to go into the pub and get a drink, it goes. Yeah. Psychologically, something something happens. They haven't even put the drink to their lips, yet the feeling they took described as physical withdrawal uh, um, seems to have, seems to have gone already. Right. So the, these are sort of 
stepping stones. Uh, we don't do a 12-step program, but it's stepping stones. Uh, the, the evidence builds for the, the jury, the, 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 uh, the clients attending uh, the seminar, to draw their own conclusions. I, I went to the seminar convinced that every aspect of my life was, uh, was facilitated by smoking. I, I genuinely believe it helped me to relax, helped me to socialise, helped me cope with stress, helped me enjoy life. Uh, there wasn't, I, I couldn't do a thing without a cigarette before, during or after. Uh, mm. When you think about it, that, that, that describes addiction. You know, I was a hopeless addict. And um, what we do is, uh, as, uh, when we're addicted to things, psychologically it builds up this belief system, this fake belief system. Uh, a smoker or a drinker gets home from work on a Friday night, had a tough shift, and they sit up in front of the TV and they light a cigarette or pour a drink, and that wonderful sense of relaxation washes over them. They give all the benefit, all, all, all the credit for that, to the cigarette or the drink. What, what they're blind to, they don't realise, a non-smoker, a non-drinker, comes back from the same shift at work, to the same house, sits down, kicks off their shoes, and they feel absolutely brilliant. Mm. At the end of the week, they can do whatever they want to do. It could be a cup uh, of tea. weekend. Yeah. Uh, so there's everything that a, an addict does reinforces their belief that the, the drug they're addicted to adds something to their moment. If they're happy, what does an addict do? What do they smoke or drink? What if they're sad? What does, what do, what does somebody with an alcohol issue do when they're sad? But they drink. What about when they're relaxed? What do they they drink? Well, if they're celebrating, what do they do? They drink. If they're consoling a friend, what do they do? They drink. Yeah. We, you know, yep. <laughs> we build up this picture, and the fact is, just because we're not capable of appearing to, uh, capable to, to function uh, uh, without that drug, it doesn't mean the drug's doing that job for us. In fact, it's quite the reverse. Um, and it just it takes about five hours for any drug, really, just to kind of peel away at that sort of onion skin of belief system when we get down to actually the world. Okay, yeah. The people say, um, oh, you know, I, I drink because it helps me to process my feelings or, or, or um, difficult subjects I have to deal with and whatever. But no, you, you don't. If you have an alcohol issue, you're just addicted to alcohol. Hmm. We, you might have these other issues that, you, you know, it's great for all of us to address, but that's, that's not... That's not why you drink alcohol, and it won't stop you from quitting alcohol either, unless you believe it. If you, it, it, you have to strip away these beliefs to get free from the drug. And what Alan Calm, he didn't say, look, this addiction thing is really hard, but if you, if you, if you get positive about it, it will, it'll be less bad. Right. That's not what he's saying. It's not a motivational thing. What he's saying, it is easy. We just go about it the wrong way. We go about rather than trying to, trying to understand why we why we smoke, why we drink, why we use coke or, or whatever. Um, uh, we just think, okay, I'm going to do without that forever, and it's like a white knuckle ride. Mm. And, uh, and who wants to live like that? It's a, it's a it's a miserable sort of existence. So actually, the method by uh, uh, having people understand the real reasons they took the drug or, or, or engage in the behaviour and why those reasons are flawed and therefore they won't 
miss the drug or the behaviour, that's key to them getting free and being happy. And I think that's where the, you know, what we were saying earlier, you know, Nicky Glaser, Glaser, Glaser uh, Chrissy Hind, uh, and everyone else, they get it. And when they get it, they want to tell the world about it. Yeah. Yep. It's great. Um, you, you mentioned 12-step program before, and that was one thing I also found quite um, interesting. And I, re- I, uh, I, it kind of resonated with me. It was um, uh, almost the um, problems with AA. Because so I've I've never done AA or anything. I've never really felt the need to. It hasn't you know my situation hasn't ever gotten in my perception that bad that I've needed to go to AA or anything. But um, because part of the idea of AA really um, I, I, I've I've got a few issues with it. Um, and I I've always wanted you know I never really want to. Uh, I'm hesitant to give AA a hard time because it's helped so many people, but. Um, you know, like I think in the book, it kind of points out that, um, in the world of AA, those who don't drink are hopeless addicts and those who do drink, are in, they're in control. Um, so yeah, the, the people who are drinking, they're, they're not the ones with the problem, but yeah, a sober person is actually an alcoholic. I don't, I don't really like that. I don't like that also calling it a disease i don't i don't like that it doesn't make any sense in my mind calling alcoholism a disease i mean it's not a good state to be in obviously but i don't think it's um i don't know that's never really resonated me oh the higher power stuff either and also the reliance on it um and just just framing yourself as a hopeless addict for the rest of your life i i i I, I think that doesn't really empower you. Again, I'm hesitant to give it um, too much shit because of how many people have really benefited from it. But um, I did find that a it was a, it was a much more refreshing apo- approach. Just hearing about you know, just kind of retaking back your mind, retaking back your your um, you know your decision making. I guess. Yeah, I think I think we're, we're very much on the same page there. And I think with something like AA. What, a, what an incredible thing that organization has done yeah you know across the globe um and anyone listen listening to this who's done the 12 steps been with a guy I take my hat off to you and would not be disparaging about them or anything uh, uh, of that nature it's a brilliant thing to have done um um but it doesn't it's not the only way yeah yeah that, that that's the important thing and I think for people um I think the there may be a little bit of negativity that comes from AA and NA amount Alan Carr's easy way because there's this kind of thing there. People don't like it. You know, if you if you've established, well, I've got this disease, I'm never going to get rid of it, I'm always going to be an alcoholic, there is no escape, I've got to suffer this for the rest of my life. And then you've got some bloke turning up on a podcast saying, actually, no, you can get off booze really easily, and you can actually live a happy, a wonderful a fruitful life long afterwards and it's it's like chains that you that you unshackle from mm. rather than something that follows you around for the rest of your life i, I can see how that irritates people uh, and they can sometimes attack us for it but um but we've done pretty well ourselves uh yeah. <laughs> 50 million people worldwide have helped um and and i think there are people who um who who, who it does turn off to say, God, I've got, you've got to be quite down about yourself. You've got to really, 
and there's no need to be that. You haven't done anything wrong. Hmm. Nobody got addicted to a drug, did anything wrong. Uh, all we did was make a mistake. Um, and um, you don't beat yourself up for the rest of your life over a mistake. The fact that somebody reaches out for help, they take uh, action to, to, to sort the problem out and get free. Wow. Why, mm. You don't want anything hanging above you like the sword of Damocles for the rest of your life when well, the alternative is simply just to enjoy the rest of your life free from the drug. And that's a completely different way of, uh, way of thinking. Mm. Um, and we, we have people who, who quit with, a, with AA and they come along to the seminars or, or uh, video programs uh, just to get rid of that mental baggage that, that remains, if that makes sense. That's, um, I, I think that's really, uh, really very, uh, very helpful. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 coming back to the, the withdrawal, uh, and, and most of it um, is caused by this, this uh, mental frame of mind. In the method, we talk about the little monster and the big monster, which I always, I always felt, you know, when I, when I first attended that, that seminar in uh, 1997, um, oh, so I don't, I, don't, I don't really like analogies like that, but it's actually really useful to think mm-hmm. well, the, the little monster is the, the withdrawal. That's, that has a, you know, you can, you can crush that, just stop taking the drug, it's gone. It, it, but what, what the little monster does, it triggers the bigger monster in the mind. And that's the, that's the, that's the, 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 the uh, phony beliefs we have about the drug that have been established through brainwashing from people around us who are addicted to the drug, to the movie industry, to, uh, to the evidence of our own lives. We brainwash ourselves, like I say. A, a, a heavy drinker will assume that the, the, the big show on the Friday night when they get home from work is a drink. I don't realise the big show of getting home from work on a Friday night is getting home from work on a Friday night. Right. Uh, 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 they, they miss out on so much. Uh, they give all the credit to the drug rather than to the, uh, uh, to, to the, the event or the situation. Mm. Yep. Um, so, we, you know, we've kind of been talking like a lot about the – just really changing your mind and stuff. But I did kind of want to ask about like different substances obviously affect people's behavior um, very, very differently. Uh, you know, some, and, and also different substances are far, appear to be far more addictive than, than other substances or maybe just more damaging. Maybe they're both, maybe they're just as addictive. But, you know, when, when behavior is so obviously inappropriate or harmful or dangerous, um, that's when people really cannot comprehend why people would keep going back. I mean, you know, one, one, something like meth, ice, like methamphetamine, um, you know, people just try over and over again, you know, so many times to kind of shed themselves of this. I'm, I'm sure heroin is, is another one. Like people literally just become, you know, like their physical appearance ends up changing, uh, you know, everything. And you just think, why, why would you? Um, are there levels of, of success rates with different substances? Are some far uglier and darker to actually tame, I guess? It does eat or, you know, ha- what, 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 what do you do with a, with a hopeless um, a junkie? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I think people go on different journeys with addiction, and some uh, some go into free fall, um, mm. and very quickly. Um, 
they, they become the equivalent of a chain smoker. And there, by the grace of God, go I. You know, my experience with drugs, um, knowing what I know about them now, and knowing how, how my life turned out because of my nicotine addiction, wow, I was really very, very lucky um, because I went from being a sort of a casual smoker to a full-on chain smoker in, within the space of a few years, really, a couple of years. I'm ashamed to say that. So that so for some people who kind of fall straight into the trap, it's almost like a swan dive down. Um, um, and this has been <clears throat> very apparent in the opioid epidemic in the uh, in the USA, right? Um, where just high functioning, regular people, Parents, all ages, yeah. have 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 been prescribed this drug after a road traffic accident or after a sporting injury or whatever, uh, didn't have any uh, uh, nerves about it or weren't, weren't, weren't worried about its use or just, yeah, just take these or whatever. Very quickly, their lives became destroyed. I mean, it's just, I mean, you, you must have seen all the, the documentaries already. Just, mm. they, they're very, very difficult to watch because you can see that the kind of you know, nosedive. Um, we we can help those people if they if they come to us, you know, if they can get if, if they can get to us, we can help them. But there are also people who who are uh, I don't like really I don't like the term alcoholic really because they're kind of lifelong label or whatever. There are also people with with alcohol issues that they, they they're functioning, they they hold down jobs, they families in spite of the, uh, they think it's because of the alcohol, actually it's in spite, in spite of their alcohol use. Mm. The same goes for cocaine and everything else. Heroin, uh, where people just, they, they survive. Um, they uh, often fight uh, daily or weekly battle to moderate their use of the drug. Um, um, but they're, they're equally addicted. You know, they they, they, they they swear blind on the Thursday. That's it. I'm not doing coke this weekend or on Friday night. They're first in line for it. Mm. Um, so so the, the method will help, will help anyone, uh, no matter how low it's dragged them down. And we've done all sorts of kind of pro bono work. Um, they tell me how the problem is if, if, if we just can't get people to sit, sit in a room for five hours. Right. And listen, um, <clears throat> because you're right, you alluded to this earlier. You know, we say carry on smoking until you finish the book, or, or you know, carry on smoking throughout the seminar, um, because we we don't want people to apply willpower to limiting limiting the intake of the drug um, until they're ready to have their final drink or smoke or whatever it might whatever it might be. Um, with uh, uh, alcohol. It's really important that, that the only thing we do say is you turn up for the seminar sober and there's no drinking throughout the seminar and only read the book when you're sober. Yeah. So that, that uh, which is, uh, so we're asking people uh, to, to remain sober when they're reading the book, but not to stop drinking, if that makes sense. And at yeah. the end, they're invited to, to have a final, have a final drink if that's what they do. Uh, with the, the sugar, the sugar addiction program has been just, extraordinary to me um it was a real leap of faith um i think the 
book, Good Sugar, Good Sugar, Bad Sugar. It's got a kind of a companion book called the Emotional Eating as well to kind of mm-hmm. combine the two. But we just, in a very gentle way, introduce how how food companies, advertising, media, her brainwashing to thinking what good food is and what bad food is or whatever else, and how how by the, what we consume manipulates our blood sugar levels, which causes all sorts of problems. And we've just been, we had so many people got in touch as a result of the Good Sugar, Bad Sugar program who, you know, they've reversed type 2 diabetes. So they, they you know, I mean, that's, again, a little bit like AA. That's a lifetime medication. If, you, if, you, if you're diagnosed with, with uh, type 2 and, the, and you're not uh, lucky enough to be aware of lifestyle changes that can make can actually reverse it and, and, and make you better. Um, who'd want to do that? A lifetime of medication because mm. you're type two and all the side effects of all that. Or actually, you know, if you change what you consume, your uh, type two, your blood sugar readings will probably, probably almost certainly go back to normal within a, a couple of days, a few days. And that's it. And they stay that way. It's, if you, if you, uh, but if you continue to consume the foods you've been brainwashed to consume, that that's what causes the causes causes the problem. So I don't know quite what what question I was asking there. Sorry, Jack. No, it's, fascin- it's fascinating. <laughs> but, yeah, because I mean, well, I, we, we I tend to only focus on the things that affect me, but it, it's so fascinating to hear about things like you know sugar and which affects the world and and, and eating and you know addictions come in in so many different different ways uh you know forms um i would love i'd I'd love to ask about uh what what if you've got a partner or a, a father or a person that you love dearly that's hopelessly addicted how how do you kind of how does one get them help without coming across being preachy and because often often addicts can be very resistant to kind of uh, sensible advice, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's a it's a brilliant a brilliant question, um, and we normally go about it the wrong way. Mm. You know, we, we we love the person, we were desperate for them to get help, um, and um, it, finding the right way is is very very difficult. Mm. I mean, I know um, my my I wouldn't have found Alan Carr without my partner at the time he's there. Lucky enough to be lucky enough to be married to, giving me grief about smoking, and there's nothing worse. Someone giving you grief about something like that, it, it causes all sorts of resentment or whatever. Mm. I'm not I'm for a moment suggesting that you you nag them about it, <laughs> but uh, what it what I'm saying is that that kind an intervention helps, a nudge in the right direction helps, yep. and that's that's all it needs a little bit. Um, the beauty of the, of, of, in my case, was she found about Alan Carr. I'd read Alan Carr's book uh, a couple of years before I went to the seminar, and I thought it was a brilliant book. It was like it was, like it was speaking to me um, as a smoker, and I just didn't stop smoking. I don't know why. Mm. I, 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 I thought, and I was saying to my friends, I was having a cigarette. I was like, you've got to get this book and hold this book up. It's brilliant, and I'm smoking a cigarette. So I knew I knew of the method. I knew it made sense. But then it's the kind of money back guarantee thing, which sounds like a kind of marketing ploy or whatever. Well, it just meant I didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. And I said, I managed, I managed to do that deal with uh, with Jackie, which was like, okay, I'm going along with this thing. I'm keeping the money. 
<laughs> spend it on football yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I, uh, and I'll smoke for a year without you hassling me about it. So that it was quite a gentle kind of nothing to lose kind of approach there. I think, I, 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 I think hopefully if you're close enough to someone, you can have, you can talk to them. And we're, we're funny, aren't we? I mean, my dad, he's 87 now. Um, and, um, he came over to the house because of lockdown and stuff like that. He came over to the house a couple of weeks ago, and for the first time in uh, over a year, we were actually kind of allowed to hug, you know. And it was kind of like the weirdest thing in the world. And I realised that I probably, I probably hadn't had, hugged my dad for forty years or something. And mm. it's a kind of a weird realization how close we are to someone. And it couldn't be any. I couldn't. I couldn't be close to my dad if I tried. You know, he's, uh, he's my. Uh, inspiration for everything I do. He's the best man I know. Um, so sometimes we need to look at ourselves and just see, well, how how, how are we with them? How 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 truthful and honest um, are we in the way we talk to them? You know, you know, my mum never hold my mum's hand. What's the matter with me? <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's mental. And. Um, I'm really lucky. I've got kids. My, you know, uh, Emily's uh, twenty and Harry's eighteen now, and we're still hugging all the time. You know, and it's it's maybe it's a generational thing. Mm. I'm, I'm having to remind myself to actually kind of, oh, I've got to do it the other way as well. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, I think the first thing is like look at the relationship, and is are you are you in a is your relationship in a place where you can actually sit down and have a, have a kind of a a serious but pleasant conversation <clears throat> and, and it should be and if you might have to work at that like, i need to talk to you let's sit down and have a cup of tea and, and whatever and non-judgmental non-aggressive not that you you turn into an arsehole you've got to sort yourself out and weigh your finger it's just really look I, I think you i think you know this i think there's an issue and i can understand that why you don't really want to uh, particularly deal with it, or you might want to just disagree with me and say you haven't got an issue, you know, um, and I, I, I could be wrong, but I love you and it would mean everything to me mm. if you read this book yeah, or attend this seminar or watch this video program. The seminar, the seminar and the, and the online video programs um, are more effective in this because it's a, it's like an appointment. Yeah, you know somebody right. somebody invested in this. They got they got they got a, a voucher to attend a seminar, and the 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 the, the addict can't lose. They're going to get the money. If it doesn't work, they get the money mm. <laughs> back. Um, the book. It's easier for that book to kind of be put at the bottom of the bookshelf in the way and read. Um, and but if it's a book, you can but just to write a note, a, a, a note of um, of love and admiration for that person in a non-judgmental way. It sounds a bit wishy-washy, doesn't it? But this is what I mean. No, it's, sometimes it's beautiful. we're it's so great. close to people, but we don't engage with them like we should do hmm. right. uh, uh, in in that way. It's it's all about giving them some wiggle room. Right. It's not about crushing their spirit. It's not about You've got to realise you've got a problem. Mm, right. That's not the way to go. So that I think you might have, you might think you haven't, but listen, I've got this thing. 
and you go along, you don't have to stop smoking or drinking or taking coke or whatever. You don't have to stop. Just go along and um, or watch the program or read the program. And then if, when you've done that, you feel you want to pack it in, you can. Hmm. Uh, um, the worst thing that happens is you end up exactly where you are now. You, no one's going to force you to stop doing anything. It, there's no... It's important, I think, with the uh, Alan Carr's Easy Way Method. It's not scare tactics. It's not shock tactics. There's nothing in there that, that people have to worry about. Uh, I think we, I think we spent about in total something like a minute and forty-five seconds about health in a five or six-hour seminar, and that's just you can't. That's only because you can't mention, uh, can't not mention health. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so shock treatment and, uh, and scare tactics just don't work. Uh, if you if you tell a tell an addict it's killing them, what's the first thing they're going to do? Well, they like a cigarette or have a drink or whatever it might be. Mm. So um, that's not a very clever, uh, not very coherent one, two, three, four, five list or plan on on how to address a situation you mentioned. But hopefully that gives you a gives you a kind of an idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Try and see it. Yeah, see it from their perspective. No one wants to be told what to do. Um, um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like, with I, I imagine this goes all through, all across kind of addictions. Because um, I've 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 kind of noticed, uh, you know, at, at uh, a while ago I saw a therapist, and you know, alcohol was something that 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 came up a lot, and and often people have kind of, if I've spoken about it, the idea, uh, the the kind of common thread seems to be, well, you know, look, there must be underlining. What, I think we should get to the bottom the underlining issues as to why you might drink. But I actually kind of see it the other way around. Where I, I actually see it as the more I drink, then then I feel fuck, I've done it again, and then the self esteem um, goes down, and then you think oh, I'm a piece of shit, and then blah blah blah, and then you know fuck, just have a have a have a drink to to feel better, and then that reinforces the kind of issues. So I've kind of almost feel like it's in, in, in reverse. And I, I imagine it could be like that for a lot of people, whereas the issues actually come from the substance abuse rather than underlining issues and substance abuse is kind of a coping mechanism. I mean, I'm sure it goes both. I, I believe it would go both ways, but, you know, I think it's, it's not always you're, you're broken. You're not, you know, it's not always you're a broken person with, with, I'm, I'm pretty happy, actually pretty happy go lucky individual. Um, Apart from when uh, I, I, you know, I kick myself for being, to, for being a drunken slob, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one, you, you kind of said before you you said that you actually read the book years earlier, but you kept smoking. And I was kind of wondering, you know, someone like me who's read the book, um, and obviously I take full responsibility for my for my um, decisions and all that. But where 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 did I go wrong? Why why did my mind go back into old habits and I wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously you don't know, know me personally, but is, are there common threads why people might not actually just get the message? I got the message for yeah, a the, bit. There normally are. And I think the, the biggest job I normally have talking um, about this is just to say, look, don't beat yourself up. This isn't something you fail to do. Mm. This isn't, this isn't a failure on your part. It's not because you're a, a tough case or, or any of those things, there's only so much a book can do. Right. You can't ask it questions. You can't address specific issues or whatever else. And um, God bless him. 
Alan Carr wrote, wrote that book, put the method into writing. And if he, had, if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't have hit that 50 million people helped marker, not in a million years. Um, so it's a, it's a blessing he did that. But, but people, people, people get confused. They think that the, the seminars, the live seminars, are a spin-off of the book. It's not. The, the, the live seminars were the original version of the method and the book really designed for people who maybe couldn't access seminars or, or wanted to read rather than, uh, rather than take part in an immersive sort of way. Um, so that's not, I'm not saying, oh, if the, if, the, if the book didn't quite gel for you, come to a, to a, to a seminar. But that, that's, I wouldn't be doing my job, I wouldn't be responsible if that wasn't the first bit of advice I said, if somebody got, has access to a seminar. It's the gold standard version of accessing Alan Carr's Easy Way method. It's clinically proven. It's been subjected to uh, two randomized controlled trials now, uh, which took us like, 20, I've been with Alan Carr 23 years. All that time I spent trying to get clinical trials conducted um, on, on the method. Um, so, uh, you know, somebody says, oh, I'll do anything. I'll do anything to quit smoking. I'll do anything to, uh, to, to stop drinking or whatever. They, they read the book. I said, well, would you consider a seminar? Oh, no, no, I don't, don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but this is not that big a step. In terms of the book, uh, and the, the assistance we give to people who don't quite, the book doesn't quite gel from, it, it's effective if they just want to read the book again. So, with the, you know, it's mm. quite, it's, it's, it's not a sort of sales process. So we say, look, we're duty bound to say, look, come to a seminar. But if you can't come to a seminar or you don't want to come to a seminar, follow these instructions, read the book again, and it will work for you. Um, with the smoking book, it's, it, it's, it's important that they read the, the most up-to-date book. We just released uh, an upgrade of the method in written form, Alan Carr's Easy Way to Quit Smoking, rather than Stop Smoking, um, which just has tons of stuff in there that just wasn't around it when Alan wrote the book originally. Um, issues, uh, you know, vaping, uh, mm. the dopamine issue, uh, uh, self harm—just a whole whole load of stuff that weren't that we've been um, talking about at our seminars for years, but weren't weren't included in the book. So we kind of ramped ramped it up there. Um, normally, people people don't, don't commit. That's the most common cause of failure. They think, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, now I'll get on. I'll mm. I'll, um, I'll I'll say I'll stop for a month and they get to a month or whatever it is. And they think, yeah, done it. I'll celebrate with a dream sort of thing. Yeah. So um, normally they, 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 they try to enjoy freedom. Um, I don't, it sounds like I'm contradicting what I said earlier, because it is brilliant to be free from the drug, but it's normal. Hmm. There's nothing special about it. You just learn to enjoy something that everyone, everyone else on the planet takes for granted. What's special is looking back on what you've escaped from. And the idea of that isn't to look back at it and be scared and think, oh, God, if I have a drink, I'm going to have to go back to that. It, the idea is to look back at it and smile. Mm. There is no anxiety there on a Saturday or Sunday morning that, that, you, that you've got money in the bank, that you, you, your Uber bills have gone down, <laughs> yeah. your relationship got better, that you're healthier, you're feeling better. The, you know, uh, knowing what you've escaped from is really important. And I think that's... That is probably key. It's natural, isn't it? Because I enjoy being free, and I said it myself. But actually, it's, it's, what, what's great about freedom? It's or compared to the opposite, 
It's mm. blue sky and sunshine. Uh, so it's looking back on what a drug did to you, not to beat yourself up about it, but just to think, you know, I can't, I can't look back at my life as a smoker without smiling. I get a bit embarrassed about it sometimes. But uh, and just, I think, thank God for that. Mm. You know, I'll be dead uh, easily by now. There's no doubt about it. I'm 56 or something, 56. I mean, dead 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. You don't, when you're a chain smoker, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's sort of uh, a constant coughing and wheezing, God knows what else. And, uh, um, so, um, crikey, you know, although I do enjoy, uh, you know, it's part of this mindfulness, isn't it? Enjoy the moment, you know, mm, mm. And, which is just a brilliant thing to do to, to help enhance your sense of freedom. Fundamentally, what you're doing is you're enjoying release. Yeah. It's like being let out, let out of this terrible, damp, dark prison cell. Yeah. Are there, um, are there so you, in our email, you, you said there are, are centers in, in Australia? Are there? Yeah, we've, we've got the most brilliant team, uh, Alan Carl Australia, headed up by mm-hmm. Natalie Clays. Uh, she is, uh, was a pioneer of the method. Um, one of the first uh, of our team um, operating in uh, Australia, Sydney. And she's grown the uh, Australian, New Zealand um, region uh, beyond, rec- beyond recognition um, and uh, also introduced al- alcohol seminars as well. So stop smoking and alcohol seminars. Uh, other, other issues like seminars, you have to liaise with us in, in London. We, we, we do sort of time-friendly, uh, zone, time-zone-friendly stuff all over the world. Um, but yeah, pretty much every major city in the Australia has uh, uh, hosts our seminars. We're now online as well. I mean, it's a, a beauty of um, our work initially in the USA uh, four years ago. But it's still pre-COVID, obviously. Um, uh, we've been work, uh, operating in New York and LA and Toronto for years, 10 years or so. And for some reason, we, we were just having problems expanding uh, the seminar centres, uh, it's just a, such a huge famous of the country. Uh, so I took the decision to put the, uh, the seminars uh, live online. Um, Great. At the time, it was via a product similar to Zoom, but not nearly as good as Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were real pioneers in that, in terms of getting 10, 12 people on screen at the same time. They could see the facilitator, the facilitator could see them, they could all hear each other. It was what I wanted to do was make it as close to being in a room together as it possibly could be. And we achieved that. So we'd, we'd been doing that in the US for a couple of years. Of course, it, it meant that overnight we went from being in LA and uh, uh, New York to being in every city in every state, coast to coast. Fantastic. As long as someone's got a broadband access, they can, they can come to a seminar. So when COVID came along, we very quickly succeeded in switching that over uh, in the UK and across a whole uh, network uh, across 50 countries. Um, and we would be, it would have been a lot clunkier for us if we hadn't done it already in the US, if that makes sense. We hadn't taken that step. Um, and so really, uh, Australia, New Zealand, it doesn't matter how remote you are, uh, wherever you live, you, you have access to the live online uh, group seminars. And they're, uh, the success rate is identical 
the content is identical. It's exactly the same, except you, know, you don't have to travel. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 and uh, uh, so, I mean, I think it's nicer to be in a room. You know, yeah. I think you know, I'd, I'd always want to go uh, meet someone face to face if I could. Um, but 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 it's it's as it's as good as this. It's been great great talking to you, and it feels like we've had it been in contact. So over the course of like five hour seminar with you know um, up to uh, twenty people sometimes on Zoom, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's actually really well marshaled. It's really well put together. Um, um, it's it's exactly the same kind of immersive kind of experience. Fantastic. Uh, Natalie, Natalie Clays did such a brilliant uh, job of expanding across the uh, Australia and um, New Zealand. Uh, I appointed her uh, to take over the, the US operation as well. So she's working really hard out there uh, uh, as well, kind of developing that side of things as well. Great. We've got a brilliant team. The, the therapist team in, 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 in Australia and New Zealand I won't make them all, but it's a brilliant, brilliant guys, um, girls. Um, top Gun, Alan Carr, facilitators. Fantastic. Great to hear. <laughs> um, John, thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate you being so generous with your time. And though I, I can... I, I clearly have a bit more work to do, um, but I can I can say that the, like, the book was extremely... It's, it's just... It makes sense. It's logical. It's... It's just kind of, yeah, like you say, it just sounds like, it sounded like it was speaking to me when I was reading it. It definitely, um, I noticed, because I was, I was working at a bar at the time, actually, when I was reading it. And it really, yeah. it, it did. It, I, I noticed in real time changes of how I was just observing the environment around me, just everyone, um, you know, around me. Not trying, Not judgmental, but just... Oh wow! Okay, this is this is actually the reality, rather than the um. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, yeah. Again, having said that, also after this entire question, and everyone, yeah, I'm sure people will call me a, a hypocrite if they do see me with a beer in my hand in the future. But you know, we all, I guess, we're all just uh, giving it a crack, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in the business of giving out sort of life advice to anybody, really. Um, Except to my kids, I give lo- give them loads. Yeah, yeah. I'm unwanted most of the time. <laughs> but, um, it, I think the, the the one thing I think that's always stood me in good stead is care less about what other people think. Right. You know, there's kind of like oh, so much angst across the world. So much, so many arguments about, about all sorts of things. You know, social media has been incredibly dis- destructive in this yeah. in this sense. Um, everyone's got a bit narkier, angrier, less happy, yep. less tolerant of each other. And, and I think if we care less what other people think, I was um, uh, uh, talking about uh, to a, a, a professional football club in London um, and how to uh, handle online abuse of players. Stuff, there's stuff going on, you know, especially if you're in lockdown, whether it's racist abuse or or, or, um, or, or just people saying mean stuff about players. Um, and it, it's it's a, it's very much a, uh, a symptom of lockdown combined with the way you know uh, social media was going going anywhere. Mm. And I used I used the example about you know I said that uh, 
87 now. He's been down to this football club since 1946, you know, <laughs> which <laughs> year after the Second World War. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I, I managed, he stopped going for a couple of years because he couldn't access uh, uh, the part of the stadium where he used to stand or sit. Uh, he was struggling with the steps. And uh, about, I found a bit of the stadium. He had minimal number of steps. And I could take him along there. Anyway, cut long story short, they, the seats I used to have to get to, to get him into the stadium. Behind us was this uh, another family, you know, uh, granddad, dad, and, and youngster, who used to talk such nonsense about the game. You know, like just whatever. They couldn't have been more wrong about football. Yeah. about what was going on, about who was playing well and who wasn't. And, it, you know, they're in, sitting right behind you, in, in your ear. And uh, he spent a couple of seasons just putting up with it. And that, this tolerance, you know, I didn't feel the need to turn around and say, oh, do you know what? You know absolutely nothing, mate. Nor yeah. do you and nor do nor you. And cause a scene. That's not because I'm a pushover. I'm quite a dominant sort of bloke. It's just... Yeah, a tolerance. bit of reserve. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but but that we haven't carried that into a, the online world. Mm. We haven't. It's just oh, somebody says something, I disagree. I'm going to have to tell them I disagree with them. Well, do you know what? If they're a racist idiot, probably not worth having a conversation with them. They're probably saying what they're saying to get a rise uh, out of out of you or people like you. So you know what? Report, block, and delete. You know that. And it's um, it's yeah, just care, done and dusted. Caring less is a great thing, and, and it's been great talking to you, Jack, as well. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think I hate to sound like a, a walking, talking advert for Alan Garzzi's <laughs> way, uh, but if I want to give one message to uh, listeners here uh, um, who are aware of Alan Carr and Alan Garzzi's way, or maybe read the book and maybe not had success, something, I whatever. Um, what I do want to advertise is our free support, our free help. And if, you, if something hasn't quite clicked, get in touch with us by alancard.com. There's a contact section and just uh, support after using the method. Um, we love helping people. We've got social media groups set up all over the place where you know, we invite people to come on board and they ask questions and spend time answering them. In most cases, we want to do it one-to-one in, in writing just so we can we, – we just ask them to answer – Ask them to answer some really basic questions of their experience with the method. And within that, we can compose a response which will help them. If they're a non-smoker or a non-drinker, but they're just not quite feeling right, they're feeling vulnerable or something, we have advice for that. If, if it hasn't worked for them at all, we have advice for that as well. So I'm sort of, that, that's really, I, I love talking about it because um, people just think, oh, if I don't get it, I don't get it. But I was, I was there. No, yeah. if I'd been left to the book, um, I don't think the method would have worked. So many people say, read the book again. You know, mm. even in these the social media groups, people are quick with a method. Um, and, and so I said, oh, I didn't book the worth. Oh, I read it 12 times and uh, eventually it stuck. And it, to me, the sort of person I was and the type of reader I was, I never enjoyed reading. Mm. Somebody says that to you. So you might as well stick a dagger in my heart. But I want to have to read this 12 times yeah. before I get it. Well, how, do I, how do I? You're almost damning that person to fail. Hmm. So we say we'll reach out um, for, for support and guidance and advice. 
And we're pretty good at it. We kind of get, get down to the, the meat. It's funny, 90% of the advice is identical. Whatever the person, whatever the feedback the person gives, there's a pro, you know, the, the instructions you probably remember from the book. Uh, we have different listed instructions. But then there's all sorts of other stuff that to, to take into account that answers questions that, that can't necessarily be covered properly in the book, such as, is it because of what happened to me as a child? Is it because of uh, my parents drank? Or is it because, you know, all this stuff, we set people's mind at rest. Because uh, I think you mentioned this earlier as well. It's just, it, 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 that's, not, that's not why you drink. It, it Maybe why you started drinking. And we all, we all started smoking or drinking or doing coke or doing whatever. We all had our own reasons for starting to do it. The reason we carry on doing it is we get addicted. Um, and if you follow some simple instructions, you can you can get you can escape from that addiction, and it's a brilliant positive thing. Yeah, that is. I'm so I'm so grateful for um, for for the work you do. Um, also, Alan Carr, rest in peace. Um, I didn't know he'd passed back in 2006. It's yeah. um, yeah, that's that sucks a, a lot. Um, but I'm incredibly grateful. Um, 50 million people, amazing. <laughs> That's just yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just really, really, really great, great work. Um, you and your entire organisation has done. So, thank you so much. Pleasure, Thanks, thanks for having me on. Cheers. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take it easy. Bye.